As you notice, we didn't have a stage today, and we're kind of taking it uh, just really low. A lot of people, we have uh, people who call Clarity Home come from all over the Twin Cities, and so some of the people who um, help with our setup team uh, come as far as south of Minneapolis. They were like, yeah, we're not going to make it, and so we decided, yeah, we're just not going to set up the stage and the pipe and drape. So, uh, man, if your ability to connect with an ever-living God is dependent on a stage and a pipe and drape, I just want to apologize on behalf of the church that has, <laughs> of Jesus Christ that has uh, set you up to actually make you believe that genuine connection with the God is dependent on lights and music and all that kind of Hey, this past week, I was in Florida, so I was suffering for Jesus. Uh, it was really tough, I would tell you what. And um, anyways, I am just making stuff up so I could roll my sleeves up. Is that okay? So anyways, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, man, today is, is uh, a great day for me simply because uh, we get to talk about the, the discipline of prayer as we kind of wrap up this series that we're on. And some of you have been with us through the series since the very beginning. And Mark, it's good to see you. Hi. Heidi's back. Heidi's back. Right, let's just like, right, I'm not going to try to pretend we're like a big church, all right? So if I see someone I like, I'm going to say hi to them. She's been gone like, what, six months? No? <laughs> Heidi doesn't live in Minnesota anymore because she's smart. It's good to see Heidi again. Um, man. Um, well, everything that I plan to do this morning has changed. But I do want to talk about the spiritual habit of prayer as we kind of close out the series. And um, here's what I know. Even, even people who aren't like super crazy about their faith in Jesus, I think all of us want to have a vibrant spiritual life. We want to feel like uh, our connection, as followers of Christ, like that, that, that our spiritual life is vibrant. We want to feel that, um, that it's actually meaningful, that it actually makes a difference in our lives. Because who, who wants to... <laughs> Who wants to travel on a Sunday morning and be with the church when um, everyone's giving you the permission to not show up? And, and so I know I'm speaking to a bunch of people here this morning who at least, at a minimum, at a minimum, are in their own lives really wanting to have a vibrant spiritual life. And so hopefully I will do my best to point you to Jesus, point you to the scripture, and hopefully give you uh, an opportunity to consider some next steps in what it means to grow and become more and more like Jesus. And when it comes to spiritual habits, at least in my mind, I don't know about you, but uh, spiritual habits seem to kind of make sense. Like when you think about it, like prayer, when you think about worship, when you think about evangelism, like the, the concepts of what is the spiritual discipline, it makes sense. Like I think we can even say like, okay, yeah, I understand that. Like sharing your faith, prayer, si silence and solitude, I get that, I get that. But I think... In reality, um, like when we actually sit down to try to practice them, it often feels like it's a mystery still. Like it's almost kind of like that thing we're supposed to be familiar with and feel comfortable with, but at times it just feels, uh, you know, just, just kind of, just, there's this cloud behind it. And, and I don't know about you in the past and, and even, even still today, I, I'll just be honest with you. Like when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, there are times where I feel, uh, feel guilty because I, I didn't do it enough. I remember last, last week, I, we were, I was just talking to my wife, and we were just talking about 
I don't even know what it was about. We were just we were talking about scripture, and and I I got snarky. I mean, I know the husbands out here never get snarky with their wives. Never. And so I said something to the effect, I don't even remember, and probably it's good for me. I said something to the effect, well, okay, you're going to hate me, but I'm just, I'm just going to be transparent. It's not even in my notes. But I said something to the effects of like, well, you don't even read your Bible every day. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then she goes, well, you don't read your Bible. Remember when we were talking about this? Remember, remember we were talking about this idea of reading the Bible? Like, well, you don't read your Bible. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's true. Remember we were talking about... All right, so I'm making up a story so you can laugh and feel bad about me. And then we can build some personal connection, and then I can deliver the word to you so you can feel like I'm trustworthy. I don't know. I, I, remember that conversation? No. Oh. That's true. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. The fact that wives can forget our stupidity is a gift from God. Okay, well, anyways, that's, that's another message on itself. Well, anyways, I feel... Yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, I deal with the reality. I just got to be honest with you. I know because some people, they come up to me, especially after this, these disciplines, like, oh, Phil, you know, that was a great message, and I don't pray enough, or I don't read enough, or I don't run quiet times, and, and I listen... But the thing I want to say in everybody's faces, I know someone came up to me and was like, you know, I just, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. And I, I literally wanted to say, I should have. It probably would have been helpful. I, sh- I should have just said, you know what? <laughs> me too. Like, that's just a reality. And, and so what ends up happening is you feel guilty, right? You feel guilty, and then you... Um, and then you end up feeling kind of confused. I don't know if you followed Jesus for long enough and tried to practice the spiritual disciplines, and you feel confused in your effort, and then you start saying things like, oh, maybe I'm not really Christian, maybe, maybe, and then if you're like me, what am I doing being a pastor? Um, and then ultimately what ends up happening is you run into these seasons where you kind of feel empty spiritually. Does anybody ever, has anyone ever felt like that? Has anyone ever felt like you've hit those valleys where it just, like you believe in Jesus and you would maybe even say your love for God is, is existent, but it just doesn't feel like you're really engaged in a deep spiritual life. And here's what I've discovered about my own life when it comes to uh, refueling, right? You're empty and you feel like, uh, I, I don't even like refueling my car. I don't know about you. I don't like, I mean, when I'm on the way somewhere, Right, and the gas light turns on. Um, first thing, I, and I just think it's really peculiar. I was just thinking about this. But I, does anyone else get mad that the light turned on? Like as if it told me, like, like it's telling me something and it's impeding on my trip. And I'm like, how dare you turn on right now? I'm on my way. And, I, and, and it's funny because it's, you know, the light's probably going, dude, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to let you know. I mean, you can ignore me, but I just get mad. Right? I get mad. And then... And then I try to play this game, right? You play this game with your, your, your gas gauge. You're like, I got like, I got at least 20 miles, right? And then so you, what, you, am I the only one that does this? No, okay. So you play this game and you're like, can I get to where I need to go? And, and the reason why is because nobody really likes to go to the gas station. I don't know. How about you? Maybe you do. You're like one of those people that, you know, you love to accidentally spill gas on your hands and you're like, 
And if that's you, we have support groups for you. Um, but nobody likes to go to the gas station. I mean, like, really? And I think gas station owners have picked up on this, and, and uh, they've, they've tried to be more appealing. Uh, you know, when I grew up, gas stations were just gas stations, right? But now gas stations, they have TVs. Someone talks to you. You can catch the news. They'd be like, ah. Oh. And then, again, gas interrupts the whole thing, right? And, like, it's done. All of a sudden, it switches off. And, like, oh, I was watching that generic news that could appear at any time of the day because that's what it is. It's just this loop that plays. And then have you seen some of the side of these new gas stations? I don't know if you've been to, like, there's a new Steve's Auto World, like, in Maple Grove. And it's, like, nice. Like, gas stations used to be just gas stations, right? It used to be, like, you walk in, you, there's soda, candy, chips and pop, and then really old food that's been sitting in a turner forever. Like, and, and that's it. But now, like, these, they have, like, pub tables. You ever been to any one of these? They have pub tables. They've got, like, coffee bars. And I don't know, like, they're, they're, like, am I supposed to be like, hey, I'm just going to stop here and work out of the, the, you know, the gas station for a while? I mean, and, and you know... And then, and then some of them, right, have, like, really classy restaurants attached to it. You know, classy, like Arby's, classy, right? Because they got the meats. And, and so this is, what, this is what's going on. And but listen, no matter what they do or what they're inclined to do, I still, don't, I still don't, like, get excited about refilling my gas because this whole process of filling up where I have to get in my card and pull out the credit card and then they ask you for your zip code and then they're like, you know, do you have a Leverage card? And you know, give me your mother's maiden name. And give me your, you know, put in your Homeland Security identification. Like, I, seriously, I think I've been asked more questions during job interviews than some of these gas pumps. Does, does anyone else like feel like the gas pump just asks too many questions? Am I just being too picky? Okay, I am being too picky. All right. Um, but the truth is this, like, nobody wants to fuel up. Nobody wants to, I don't know, I don't want to fuel up. It just takes, just seems like a hassle. It just seems like a process. And, you know, when it comes to fueling up in our spiritual life, when it takes, when it comes to doing what it takes to make sure that we don't live this, um, all of us want to live a life where we look more like Jesus, but sometimes we're just trying to get to the point where we feel full. And spiritual habits are the things that they're the things that God uses to not only conform and transform our lives to look more like Jesus, but they're the actual things that gives vibrancy into our spiritual life. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about spiritual habits. And even though we know it's good for us, there's something about spiritual habits that just seems like such a process. And of all the spiritual habits, uh, the one that I think many people find to be so hard to engage in is the spiritual habit of prayer. And uh, some of us find it hard to engage in prayer because our experience with prayer has just been awkward, right? And uh, if you've never been part of anything awkward, uh, I got a little illustration for you. Roll that video real quick. Yeah, I like how the pastor just kind of went over there and said, you're done. Just uh, For some of you, um, you've seen this. You've Heard other people pray, and, and so for you, the idea of even praying in public is just like, no, sir. <laughs> because I laugh, but I might actually do the same. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm still getting over the sickness I had three weeks ago. <coughs> um, and it's true for some people that the fear of sounding awkward is the reason why they don't pray. But <coughs> that's usually something that only applies to public prayers. When it comes to the habit of praying in your everyday rhythms of life, 
Uh, one of the reasons why some of us don't pray is simply because it's been a frustrating experience in the past. And there's nothing more frustrating than when we pray to God for something and he doesn't answer like we think he should. In fact, some of the things that I'm praying for even in my own life are stuff that I'm pretty sure, like I'm pretty sure he would want to have happen. And I'm still waiting. How many of you can say, I prayed and prayed for something and um, it actually got worse? How many of you can say, uh, you know, I prayed and prayed for somebody and they got worse? We've all been there, right? In fact, this is probably one of the reasons that some of you have quit praying at all. Because you prayed and you thought, you thought that God would definitely answer it, and he didn't. And uh, today we're going to look at some verses where I think Jesus does a really good job of addressing those frustrations as it relates to our prayers. Because one of the things I observed in my personal journey of faith and in literally my honor to come alongside many people over the years in their journey of faith, one of the things that I've learned is that there's a tendency to think that if God doesn't answer the way that we thought he should, there, that there's something wrong with us. And uh, what we're going to find out as we look at what Jesus has to say about prayer is, uh, I, th I think he would want to tell you, hey, look, it's, it's not like that at all. In fact, it's a common occurrence, and here's what you can do about it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the apostle, uh, you know, the disciple of Jesus, Luke, writes this. He says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, um, now, it, it doesn't say like, you know, once upon a time, Jesus was praying. Uh, it, it says, Jesus was playing, praying in a certain place. And, and just real quick, uh, if you didn't know this, we haven't talked, we've talked about prayer before, but one of the things that you'll find in, in like in Matthew's version of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, uh, it, it, uh, in Matthew 6, 6, in fact, he says, go to your room. Remember, he says, when you pray, you should go to your room, you should find a place. And, and there's this idea that when we pray, we should find a time, we should find a place, okay? We should find a time, we should find a place. And here, Jesus finds a place, okay? He finds a place to pray. And he goes on, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. In other words, Jesus, we're good Hebrew boys, we were taught prayers from an early age, but there is something different when you pray. Because remember, it wasn't like they, they didn't know how to pray or that they weren't taught. But I'm sure they heard Jesus pray and they were like, man, that's some good stuff. It's almost like he's God. And so anyways, but they were, they were, they were can you teach us how to pray? And here's what Jesus says. And here's, this is just interesting. I think if you've never read this, um, it's just interesting to, to look at. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins <clears throat> as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Now, for those of you who might have grown up in church and have said the Lord's Prayer, uh, you, you would probably, just like the disciples, I think, probably did go, okay, Jesus, that's right 
but you're not quoting the Bible like correctly. You, you missed a few verses. I, I mean, you know, it's you, <laughs> like you, quoting you. But I think you missed a couple of verses and you didn't say it right. And what's interesting about this passage of Scripture, if you take a look at, uh, you know, you can just Google this because <clears throat> we live in the post-information age. So hopefully you don't uh, come to church gatherings to, to, to learn more details about the Bible. Hopefully you are coming to these opportunities to be challenged and then asked to move in your next step of faith. But one of the things you look at when you, uh, when you look at these, these, the scholars looking at these differences between the Luke passage and the Matthew passage is you find that uh, based on the context, it's two separate occasions. Because some people are like, oh, it's the same prayer, and oh, see, the, the Bible's full of inconsistencies. The Bible's full of inconsistencies. But what you'll find is these are two different occurrences. And so when they said, Jesus teaches to pray, <clears throat> Jesus is basically saying, look, you guys have heard this before. <laughs> it goes like this. Tell God that he's great. Tell him that his kingdom is more important than yours. And tell him what you need, whether it's daily bread, forgiveness, or you know, uh, you know, uh, strength to, to resist temptation. That's what I told you. And and the disciples, I'm sure they were looking at it and like, yeah, that sounds kind of like the other time you taught us, but now you're saying it differently. So which one is it? And here's the amazing thing: Jesus could have taught them anything about prayer. Jesus could have literally taught them anything about prayer, but he simply gives them this synopsis on what he's already said about how to pray. And then he launches into a discussion on what to do when God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. I think this is very, very, if you've never caught this before, you have to understand that Jesus spent very little time teaching them how to pray. And what we read next is we see Jesus answering the question, what do you do when it seems like God is not answering your prayers? And this is what he chose to talk about, which is one of the major frustrations that many have when it comes to prayer. And this is one of those things that make you think that, uh, honestly, you have, to, you have to wrestle. This is one of these things that you, when you're, when you're trying to decide whether the Bible is true or not, this is just one of these things that just has to make you think because if I was a writer of the Bible, I would not put this in there. I would not put something in here that just doesn't make as much sense, but I think God is trying to teach the disciples something and Luke is trying to capture something that we can apply to us, our own lives, as much as those who were listening. And here's what he says. Jesus says this. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Catch this. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Okay, so <clears throat> put yourself... In just in the scenario, Jesus teaches how to pray. All right, you already heard this. Um, kingdom come, will be done, stuff like that. Okay, you've heard it before. Listen, let me tell you a story. And I don't know about you. I have personal friends of mine, like I ask them a question and they, anyone have friends, like you ask them a question, it takes them forever to answer it. They have to tell you like a whole story. It's always a little frustrating. You're like, hey, uh, what'd you do? No pointing fingers. Come <laughs> See, see, it's amazing when you have the lights on. I can see everybody now. Anyways, <clears throat> um, <coughs> don't point fingers. It's just wrong. And so Jesus goes into this long story. And I, I don't know what it was like to be a disciple of Jesus, but you just be like, okay, God, would you let your son please get to the end of the, <laughs> end of the story? And here he tells a story. And this, he, tells about, he tells them how people sleep. Okay, And this is how they slept. And 
uh, you know, if they had a family, they all went to bed at the same time. They all slept in the same room, and you couldn't just jump out of bed anytime you needed. It was complicated to get out of bed. Um, I don't know about, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but when I was a teenager, I went on a, I went on this mission trip to Russia, Chimin, Siberia, Russia. And there was about a group of 30 of us, guys and girls, and I was, um, we were in this remote area of Russia, and we were staying at this house, and it was like super, it did not fit 30 people, okay? And so, uh, at night, we were all sleeping, and there was about probably 15 guys, um, all sleeping literally side by side with each other in a 10 by 10 room. And we were like literally just kind of like, hey, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> and it was just kind of awkward. And I just remember I was so anxious because, um, as my wife will tell you, um, she's not afraid to air my dirty laundry. I, I pee like constantly in the middle of the night. I don't know. Maybe I need to go see a doctor. But uh, even as I was a kid, like, and so I'm sitting here, I'm going, like, I'm really afraid because I know I use the bathroom like multiple times a night. And this is going to be awkward. I'm going to have to like step over 14 people. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I was super anxious. And um, luckily, the grace of God was with me. And he, I didn't have to pee. But anyways, um, but it's just complicated. And so when Jesus says this, I get it. Maybe you don't get it. Like this idea of like everybody in the room and, and you know, like all my family and I are in bed and I just can't help you because, you know, he, he just have to get up. And, and so this guy's in his bed going, you know, don't bother me. If I wake up and try to go find some bread, I'll just wake everybody up. And so just go away, right? So here's the situation. And, and this is the story that Jesus tells us. So what does this mean? Well, Jesus goes on, verse 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for, a, do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Penny, 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 Penny. Right, okay, so it's a squirrel, right? So Jesus is saying that even though this guy wouldn't give him the bread because he's a friend, he will get up out of frustration because the guy bothered him so much. And he will wake his family, he will find the bread, and he will give it to the friend and say, take this, leave me alone, jerk. <laughs> I'm just, I don't, that's not what it really said. I'm just guessing. Now, anytime that you're listening to a parable, you're probably thinking, okay, now there's someone in this parable that is me and somebody in this parable that is probably God. You know, in the parable of the son, you think like, I'm like the runaway son and God is like the father who takes me back. Love that story. Good story, right? And the disciples are talking back and forth to each other and going, okay, if this story is about prayer, then we're probably the person who's asking for bread. Because prayer is kind of like asking God for something, but then that would make God the grumpy old guy inside who says, don't bother me. You know, uh, Surely that's not who God is. Now, before I go on, I think it's just interesting to pause and just take that in. Like, is that really who God is? Surely. If you never read your Bible, you're going to find some stuff that'll make you pause and some interesting stuff. Luckily, um, Jesus knew that it wasn't probably a good place to stop teaching on prayer, and he goes on. In fact, Jesus interprets this for us just in case we miss it. <clears throat> and basically what he says is that <clears throat> God is not bothered by your persistence. And sometimes, in fact, God is moved by it. Because persistent prayer moves the heart of God. Persistent prayer moves the heart. And this is why prayer is a spiritual habit. Because it's something, it's a rhythm of living that needs to happen. 
Jesus' parable is clear. Tell God how great he is. Tell him that his kingdom is above yours and you'll surrender to his and tell him what you need. And oh yeah, don't quit asking. Don't quit asking. Don't quit asking. Don't stop. Because your persistent prayer has the potential to move the heart of God. This is why Jesus said this. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Look, there's no mystery behind asking versus seeking and versus knocking. These are literally just simply three different ways that Jesus is repeating something that means the same thing in three different ways, simply just for, f- for emphasis. And, and, you know, there are other ways we can like, oh, here's what it means to seek, and here's what it means to ask, and here's what it means to knock. And, and that's helpful, but that's really kind of going beyond what Jesus was saying. Jesus wasn't trying to make any theological uh, treaties by saying, seek, ask, and knock. He was literally just saying, I'm going to say this thing multiple times so you will get what I'm trying to say. When it comes to prayer, don't stop. Don't stop. Ask if you need to ask. Seek if it feels like you need to seek. Knock if it feels like you're knocking. But in any case, please don't stop. Because, because, because if you ask, the door will be open for you. Jesus is saying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't give up. And sometimes your father will respond because God is moved by persistent prayer. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to one who knocks it will be opened. <laughs> um, you said that already. And if you're paying attention, you would go, I see what you're doing, Jesus. Here's the frustrating part. <clears throat> we often can feel like there are exceptions to this promise, right? Sometimes we ourselves, we can feel like we are the exception to the promise. And sometimes it doesn't happen the way you thought it would, and Jesus is going, I understand the frustration. But this is how you pray. I don't know. We don't, we're not given to a glimpse of what Jesus understood about why his disciples were asking what they asked. But what we know is clear is Jesus understood that why they were asking Jesus to pray wasn't about necessarily the words they were to speak, but they were at a point where they needed to hear that it was worth praying, that they should not give up. Jesus heard past the initial request of what should we pray, how should we pray, and he told them what they needed to hear the most. And maybe this morning, when it comes to the idea of prayer, what you need to hear the most, and it's not maybe everybody, but maybe you do, and I'm guessing that as I'm talking about this, that someone here needs to hear that God is saying, don't stop. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't quit. And he would want to say, you just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and don't give up until you absolutely have to because God is often moved by your persistent prayer. I don't know about you, but you know what I've seen? I've seen so many people pray for things to happen for years 
and years and years and years and years. And finally, the last minute, God answers prayer. There isn't a formula. There isn't a God. You know, God isn't really some cosmic vending machine where, you know, I, if I ask a prayer and I'm hit A5, I get Skittles, right? It's just, it's not, that's not how God works. But here's the thing. God does, every once in a while, responds to my seeking and knocking prayers and my persistence. And he says, yes. But do you know what else that happens when you ask, seek, and knock? So many times God does something in us. The seeker and the knocker. Because persistent prayer changes our heart. Sometimes it's only by persistently praying for the same thing over and over that God reveals to us something that he wants to do in us. When we are praying for that son or daughter or spouse to come back and God says, I'm not going to bring them back just yet because they wouldn't stay anyways until you allow me to do something in you. And it was only through that persistent prayer that God brings that to our attention. And then there's those times where we're persistently praying for something that we want God to do and we refuse to give up. And in the process, we realize that we're praying for the wrong thing. One pastor, a friend of mine, tells me this story. I love telling it. Um, at, uh, this church is a Pentecostal church, and so during their Sunday night services is when people kind of like take a little bit more liberties to pray in the Spirit and, and you know, just kind of, you know, what we call, I grew up in a Pentecostal movement, and so, you know, this idea of tarrying and just like standing for the word worshiping. And, and so it, it's not uncommon in, in these kind of services where someone will just like start praying out loud and uh, he, it's a funny story because he tells me this guy just kept going and going and going and he was praying and, and all of a sudden everyone's just like, the pastors were all looking at each other like, are we going to tell this guy to stop? And then all of a sudden out of nowhere he goes, he stops and he just, he just goes, oh crap, I'm in the flesh and sits right down. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, right? Sometimes we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, and we think we're doing a noble thing, but actually what we're doing is just we're living in the flesh. And we're asking for things that are the wrong things. And it isn't even what God wants. But here's the thing. Sometimes you don't realize that what you want isn't what God wants until you've persistently prayed about it. And God brings it to your attention. And all I'm saying is this, if you are praying persistently, God will do something. And every once in a while, he'll do the very thing you ask for, but he won't do it in your timetable, I promise that. <clears throat> but when he does, you'll be like, that was unbelievable, God. I promise you that. And God is not irritated by our persistent prayer. He's honored by it. And sometimes he says, okay, I'll answer that in the way that you're asking. But every time we commit to the habit of prayer, God does something 
Because Jesus said, if you ask, you're going to receive something. And if you seek, you're going to find something. And if you knock, the door will be opened. The only other reason why God is honored by our persistent prayer is that when our heart is in the right place with our prayers, our persistence is basically saying to God, maybe you didn't think of this, but your persistence in prayer is basically saying to God, listen, God, you are great. And I believe that what I'm praying for is your will, but I also acknowledge that you're greater than me. And I'm going to you consistently because I actually need you. I'm dependent on you. And God is honored by that heart and God is honored by that position. And because you're saying to him, look, God, if you don't show up, this is not going to happen. And God, I believe, looks at us, even if the prayer is a little <laughs> sideways from his will, I think he looks at us and he goes, you're, you're not asking for the right thing, but you know what? I like your heart. I like that. So, question. <clears throat> is there anything in your life that you are so passionately concerned about that you're willing to beat down the door of heaven and ask your heavenly father to do something that is wildly beyond your ability to do? Will you say that again? I, I think you really need to hear this. Is there anything in your life that you are so passionately concerned about that you are willing to beat down the door of heaven and ask your heavenly father to do something that is wildly beyond your ability to do. I'm not asking about bedtime prayers. I'm not asking about mealtime. I'm not asking about parking spot place at the mall. I'm not asking that. I'm asking about something so wildly inconceivable, something so unfathomable, something so unattainable in your own life, and you believe and you know that this is God's will in your life, but you're desperate for him to actually come through. You need him to come through. When was the last time that you had a prayer like that? That literally looked like asking, seeking, knocking. When is the last time you prayed like that? Because if you haven't, I think you are missing out on an opportunity to see God do something great in this world. And you're missing out on an opportunity to see God do something great in you, in your life, and around the lives that are within your spheres of influence. Jesus could have talked about anything, but he chose to talk about this. And just because your prayers have not been answered like you thought they should, keep, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because... <laughs> Sometimes it will move God's heart and sometimes it will change yours. And one of the things I persistently pray for is for God to allow clarity to become a people of hope and restoration to those within our spheres of our everyday influence. That's something I pray for every single day. And I don't even know what that would look like, I'll be honest with you. I had ideas of that when we first started. We looked nothing like I thought or what I prayed. But I still pray. I pray that God would use our lives to be hope and restoration in the lives of the people within our everyday circles of influence. I have a couple other things that I pray for 
over and over again, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever see God give them to me in my lifetime. But you know what? I read Jesus' words, and I'm encouraged to keep praying, to keep seeking, because one day my prayers may move God's heart, or one day it just may change mine. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my entire adult life saying prayers, but never really praying. Does that make sense? I want to practice the spiritual habit of prayer by finding a time and place to tell God how great he is, finding a time and place to surrender my kingdom to his, finding a time and place to look to God for what I need, and finding a time and place to repent of my sin and confess my desire not to fall in temptation. So the question I want to ask you is this, would you join me? Will you find a time and place to tell God how great he is? Will you find a time and place to surrender your kingdom to his? Will you find a time and place to look for what to look to God for what you need and will you find a time and place to repent of your sin and confess confess your desire not to fall into temptation? Would you do that? Would you make it a habit? I know, yeah. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't quit asking. Don't quit seeking. Don't quit knocking. Because one day, your prayers may just move the heart of God. Or your prayers might actually be the way that God changes yours.